Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast with your hosts, Mike Randall and Gus Kearns. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there. Thank you so much for carving out some time for the podcast during your busy week at the start of the college basketball season. Mike Randall and Gus Kearns are working hard to give you this team preview series. And guess what? You know this one's been coming and there's a reason we saved this one for last. Yeah, that's right. You finally get to hear your scouting report on Gonzaga. Podcast was blessed enough to talk to Jim Meeham from Spokesman Review. You can follow Jim at capital S, capital R, capital J, I, M, M. And you can follow his stuff at, uh, I'm sorry, spokesman.com. Jim talked to us about everything you ever wanted to know about Gonzaga. He gave us a quick review of last year's unbelievable season. We even talked some uh, Coach Heathcote. Uh, we talked about Jack and Dan's high post, low post. There's not much we didn't cover on this. You knew that this one was coming for you guys, and it's finally here. Thank you, Screen the Screener listeners out there, for waiting this one out. If you like what you're listening to, you can follow the podcast at SDS Podcast. Efficiency of keystrokes, of course. If you want to chime in and tell us this conversation was incredible, or you'd like to hear more of it, uh, we'd love to chime in and hear from you and interact with you. Please hit us up on Gmail, podcast at gmail.com. Any positive reviews you want to send your way, we will be unbelievably thankful and absolutely gracious to read. Um, we will read those out on the following podcast or two down the road, and we'll give a shout-out in an ahoy if we get any positive reviews. So please hit us up on iTunes, review the podcast positively. We appreciate it. We wanted to thank Jim for hopping on with us from the West Coast and dropping some knowledge on everything you ever wanted to know about Gonzaga last year and looking into this year as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much, Jim. And again, you can follow Jim at SRJ. I-M-M, capital S-R-J, in that Twitter follow. Listeners, enjoy. This is an unbelievable conversation. Salancha, gratulatia, and salut. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Screen the Screener College Basketball Podcast listeners out there, you guys are in for a treat today. Loyal listeners know that we were on the Gonzaga train last year, and luckily we are going to talk to Jim Meehan from the Spokesman Review, and he's going to enlighten us on this year's Gonzaga Zags Bulldogs team. Jim, how are you doing today? Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, fantastic. You can find Jim's stuff at the Spokesman Review, and you can check it out at spokesman.com. Also, don't be afraid to give Jim a follow. He's a capital S-R-J-I-M-M. Check out his Twitter handle as well. It's 
great place to get keyed in on what he's thinking and what he's observing. Jim, I think right off the bat, do you think you can just go through a quick recap or just maybe a one little highlight of the amazing season that the Zags had last year with their run to the championship game and finally making that final four that you know gives the unneeded validation to the program that's already had huge sustained success. So do you think you can just talk about a tiny bit of one of the highlights and about the amazing season that took place in Spokane last year? Well, it was a magical season, kind of the breakthrough that uh, people around here had been waiting for for a long time. They, they've been going to the NCAA tournament uh, on an annual basis for close to 20 years and gotten very close, uh, including the very first team in 1999 that got to the Elite Eight. Um, it was actually their second trip, but that's the, the the team that started this run. They're on of 19 straight tournaments, and they got to an Elite Eight a few years back when they lost to the eventual national champions, Duke. Uh, last year, they they um, they broke the ceiling and they kicked the door down and, and beat Xavier uh, by 20 plus points, kind of the way they had played all year, where they were dominating pretty good teams and and uh, teams in their conference. Uh, to get to that final four, and, and we're clearly not just happy to get there. They beat South Carolina in a really uh, a thrilling game that uh, they had a big lead and, and gave most of it up and, and uh, came back to win it in the final minutes and had a had a shot at North Carolina, really uh, led the game for throughout the first half, and again, we're in front with two minutes left, just weren't able to hold them off, but uh, just a magical season. They go 37-2. and two two games they lost they had a lead in the final two minutes um you know they were they're pretty close to a few possessions here or there to to going undefeated uh and a season that uh that won't be forgotten around here for a long time uh the spokesman review even put out a book on it so wow <laughs> that it was that kind of season That is pretty amazing. If you have a book written about your season, that tells you all you need to know of the importance and the impact of that. Wow, Jim, that's crazy. Hey, we're going to go a little off topic here. Unfortunately, sadly, over the summer, the college basketball community lost two great head coaches. Uh, Coach Heathcote was one of those coaches. And, you know, in the latter part of his life, he had had an influence and impact on your program there in Spokane. Do you think you can just, you know, dive into maybe your mental Rolodex there and tell uh, the importance of his presence the last couple of years there in Spokane and what kind of influence did he have on uh, Coach Few and the, and the Bulldog program? Yeah, uh, Judd had an enormous impact on, on Spokane and the Zags. He, he kind of started his coaching career in Spokane. He was the uh, head coach at a high school there. Uh, and then he went down to Washington State, was the freshman team coach down there. Uh, and then as coaches uh, as coaches do, he kind of traveled the, the country uh, from jobs. Uh, he went to uh, Montana. He went to Michigan State, where he was most well-known. But after he finished there, uh, after he had won that national title with, with uh, uh, Irvin Magic Johnson, uh, after he retired, he came back to Spokane. That, that was home to him. And when he did that, he became uh, very close to Mark Few. Uh, the timing was kind of when Gonzaga basketball took off. And they used to have uh, lunch sessions at uh, Jack and Dan's, the famous tavern owned by John Stockton's dad here. Uh, they would have uh, monthly or weekly sessions where uh, Judd did a lot of talking and and, uh, and Mark did a lot of listening. And, and Judd was uh, very opinionated. 
but uh, knew the game so well that uh, his his opinions were always uh, uh, very well respected. I think he just became kind of a, a mentor for Mark and and the coaching staff that uh, Mark had. Uh, it was a very sad day here in, in this town when uh, and across the country. I mean, Judd Heathcote was one of the most popular guys in the business. Did it the right way. Uh, he won doing it the right way. And uh, a lot of people, he touched, uh, I, when he uh, passed away, I talked to several of the uh, guys that he coached from high school, stayed in touch with them. They would get together, you know, as much as they could here and there. And and uh, the impact he had on, on their lives was, was pretty evident. So, yeah, it, uh, it, it was a pretty special relationship. Uh, and I think uh, uh, the Spokane community will really miss Jed. Yeah, the, the combination that you mentioned there with Coach Heathcote doing it the right way and then having sustained success at the highest level and then fostering and continuing those relationships, like that, that, that's such a unique combination for any individual and, and even uh, just, you know, your run of the mill, if you want to use that basketball coach. That's what made him special, that combination of, of characteristics. He was a great, great guy to talk to. He sat right below us on press row. Uh, imagine this, Dan Mon- uh, Don Monson and, and Jed Heathcote in the seats right below us. Uh, conversations with those guys, uh, those uh, we should have paid for those. those <laughs> that was a great, uh, great time just to visit with those guys. I, I can't even imagine. Talk about fly on the wall. You'd want to be a fly on the wall with a microphone and taking notes in your notebook <laughs> if you heard those guys for sure. Wow, Jim, that's a, that's a cool experience that you get that you you had there. That, that that's crazy. Yeah. Hey, let's let's jump into this year's Zags team. Let's let's do a little preview. Let's uh, talk some uh, current student athletes for the Bulldogs. You know, maybe dive into uh, how you think they might do this particular season. You know, I think it's all going to start with the, you need a stud. You need a difference maker. You know, Jonathan Williams III. What a player! He did everything that the team needed last year. Whatever that thing was. This season, he's going to be asked to do a little bit more and take a little bit more responsibility on offense, maybe some of the responsibilities that were with uh, Nigel and, and Matthews last year. Um, we know he's a terror on D. What is this guy's ceiling? Can he carry a lead role offensively? He appears to be humble, hardworking, and just the right type of student athlete. Are we somehow underrating Jonathan Williams? And, and just how good is he going to be this year for the Zags? I think he got underrated last year. Uh, especially at times when, I mean, if you look at that roster, you've got an All-American last year, Nigel Williams-Goss, and deservedly so. You've got uh, Shemek Karnowski, who, is, who won the, the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award, top center. Um, you had uh, Jordan Matthews, who hit maybe the biggest shot in school history, a three-pointer against West Virginia that got him to the Elite Eight. Um, and then you have Zach Collins, who all he was was the first one and done in program history uh, and another big guy inside. So I think, uh, you know, Jonathan just did his job about as good as you could do it last year when the opportunities were there. Uh, I think people in the program and, and recognized him for what he was able to accomplish. But, uh, you know, when he was named the, the uh, regional MVP to get him to the final four, I thought that was uh, – a pretty big statement because when you surround yourself with seven or eight guys in that rotation that are outstanding uh, to be able to do that. And he did that in large degree by what he does defensively. This is a guy who's six, nine and about two thirty. He can really elevate. 
Uh, he's a great rebounder, but he can guard guards on on these screens out front. He can switch out and guard them and stay with them. In the tournament alone, he guarded uh, Trevon Blewett, who's uh, an All-American candidate from Xavier, and he's back this year. He guarded Mike Dom, who's another All-American candidate, one of the top scorers in the country, who was a center. Blewett was kind of a a wing type. Um, He can guard a seven-footer. He can guard a 6'4 guard that's lightning quick. Uh, And offensively, his game is evolving. He he is, uh, you know, he, he doesn't have the prettiest shot, but it kind of goes in. You know, I think he made over 40% of his three-pointers. He's not going to shoot a ton of them, but he does have uh, that ability. Uh, but what he's very good at is what I, I call kind of a mid-post game. You throw it to him, and he's 10, 12, 14 feet away from the hoop, and he kind of backs you in with a bounce or two, and, and he can rise up and finish left hand, and he's worked pretty hard on his right hand. So there's no question they need him uh, to, to elevate his numbers this year. Uh, I think he's going to average close to a double-double, and I think his scoring average will go into the mid-teens, if not higher. He's going to be the first option. Gonzaga plays inside out, and uh, on this team, with their makeup right now, uh, option one is Jonathan Williams. Wow. I mean, you talked about his defensive diversity there. He was an unbelievable stud on D, and if he can marry that level to the offensive side. I mean, we could be talking about another All-American here. It's, I don't think that's totally crazy. Every good team needs that, you know, valued uh, program lifer or, or veteran in the backcourt. And it seems like you might have two of them with Josh Perkins and, and Silas Melson. Both guys shot at over 39% from three. They both average less than a turnover per game. Upperclassmen ball handlers are always in high demand. Just how important do you think this duo is? Can they handle the job as well, say, I don't know, like back with uh, Pangos and Bell? And did they fly a little bit under the radar the past two years with what the talent, uh, the Zags had the talent in the backcourt? Can we win big? Can, can the Zags win big with Perkins and Melson being the primary ball handlers? And maybe talk a little bit about how uh, Zach Norvell might fit in the 6'5 uh, freshman being introduced to the, to the mix. So talk about their backcourt a little bit. And, and are these guys ready for the responsibility? Well, that's that's a great question. Can they win big with those guys? And, and if they win big, it will be because of those guys. Uh, you know, Josh has played a ton of basketball here, and so has Silas, but never uh, with the demands on them that they'll they'll have this year. Uh, you know, Josh and Nigel kind of split the point guard role last year. Um, you know, it worked out great. Uh, Silas was kind of the valued sixth man, just steady as as you can be, uh, delivered on a nightly basis, great defense. And that's all well and good for last year. This year, they need them to be primary impact, (laughs) score the ball, dish the ball, uh, and guard guys. They they just have to have more out of them. And there's a number of guys on the roster uh, that are like that. Ruri Hachimura, Killian Tilly in the front court. Um, those guys have just, the, with the, the exit of those four guys we just talked about, there is so much more uh, playing time out there, so many more points and rebounds that they've got to get from these other guys in newer, more demanding roles. And, and Josh is probably the key guy on the roster. We did our season previews, and uh, it's, it's pretty obvious that he's the only true point guard they have. Uh, now they can get minutes out of Silas at, at the point guard and he'll be fine. Uh, 
Uh, Zach Norvell, same thing. They can even have their bigger guys bring it up. But, you know, the the, the main point guard is Josh Perkins. And this is a, a highly recruited guy going back several years. Scored the ball, you know, very well in high school, but has always had more of a pass-first mentality and set other people up. He needs to continue that, but they they need him to, to, to score and hit some shots. He's fully capable of that. And Silas the same way. If those guys can bump their averages up a couple points a game uh, and hit those three-pointers, that, that kind of works both ways. It opens up the inside, and 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 uh, the inside game then can kick it out to them for, for perimeter shots. Uh, you know, that, that's, uh, that's one of the biggest questions coming into the season. They, they do not have um, you know, they usually run a dual point guard system with Silas and or with uh, Nigel and Josh last year with Pangos and Bell, with Stockton and Pangos. Um, you know, through the years, they've always done that. Well, they don't really have that this year, and they've got to stay healthy, and they've got to stay out of foul trouble because they don't have a lot of depth. The depth will come from Zach Norvell, who he's played two games in a Gonzaga uniform, both exhibition games. And I think he's close to 40 points in about 40 minutes. Uh, the kid can shoot it. He's got a good three-point stroke. He's a physical enough kid at about 6'4 and, and, and 200 that he can he can go on the bounce and get inside. Um, you know, he's another one. Last year he red shirts. This year he he might be a 20-minute a game or, or more guy. Uh, and and they're going to rely on him to to do a lot of things from, but mainly to score it. And then uh, uh, on occasion, maybe even be the point guard. So not much depth in the backcourt. And, and uh, those three guys are going to be uh, under some pressure to, to, to deliver. Yeah, it seems like they, they have a load of responsibility. You mentioned the dual point guard situation in the past with uh, Gonzaga. That makes perfect sense. And you, you know what? You bring up an unbelievable point. If Perkins runs into any injury issues or foul trouble, that, that, could, co- that could cause a serious problem for the Bulldogs. Let's get into Coach Few a little bit. He did it last year. He got to the Final Four. He almost won the whole darn thing. Two minutes to go. They they have a lead in that game against North Carolina. He almost pulled that thing off. With that in the bank this season, is this season like house money for Few and the Bulldogs? Shed some light on what makes Coach Few so great on and off the floor. And another thing, like what makes the red shirt year at Gonzaga so appealing, but then also so successful for so many student athletes? Like how does... How does Coach Few organize that and set that up so student athletes that come off that redshirt year automatically come in and uh, and contribute at a high level right away? Well, with with Mark, uh, the, probably the he'll tell you uh, if you know people are always asking him and the athletic director out here, Mike Roth, what the secret is, and and they will just tell you that uh, uh, the biggest thing has been continuity in the program. Um, you know, after Dan Monson got him to the Elite Eight and, and left, uh, Mark took the job. Uh, the staff then had guys like Billy Greer. Uh, he's had Tommy Lloyd on his staff forever and has really developed a niche in recruiting overseas. Um, you know, he had uh, – uh, he's well, he has Donnie Daniels with him as, you know, an assistant on the West Coast at Utah and UCLA and Gonzaga. He knows every high school. and prep coach in, on the West Coast and beyond, and, and Brian Michelson, who was a walk-on here in the maybe the early 2000s, has been with them for seven years. 
that continuity, that's the first thing he always points to. And the second thing is, is when they started having success, you know, they really uh, built on it. <laughs> they really invested. They raised salaries uh, of the coaches. They they got better players. They built the McCarthy Athletic Center. Um, you know, it's about 11, 12 years old. Um, but, you know, even if you look at it today, they, they just opened their brand-new locker room here last week. They're building a, a practice facility, three-story place called the Volker Center. Uh, that will be done later this month. It's right next to the, the McCarthy Athletic Center. So they're investing in the program and, and not uh, staying put or plateauing. They're trying to, to make everything better. They travel by charter. They've done that for seven or eight years. Um, so all the things that the big-time programs have, they're at least trying to, to stay on level playing field. Uh, and you mentioned the redshirt year. They've had some just enormous success with guys like Kelly Olenek, who made a, a decision to redshirt in the middle of his career, and that's unusual. Uh, and he sat out a year. He got with uh, a trainer named Travis Knight, who is, is kind of uh, carved out his own uh, successful way of dealing with these uh, uh, redshirt years, and he has a, a system and, and methods that he uses. And Kelly Olenek came back the next year and was an All-American, which nobody saw because of uh, before that he was he was kind of a role player, a 10-minute, 12-minute a game guy. And uh, all of a sudden, a year year and a half later, he, he's uh, leading them to uh, the number one ranking in the country. So and they've had great success with Kyle Wiltshire the same way. Um, you know, and, and others, uh, they just have a system in place where they work on their games, but with the individual stuff, but a lot of it is the physical aspect. Kelly and Olenek really made huge strides, uh, physically and, and, uh, he got to be a better athlete, improved his quickness. And, and then when you couple that with the skill he already had and was developing, turned into an all American. So they've got a formula there that works very well. Yeah, they, they they definitely have a, a secret recipe that works unbelievably well. And you, and you mentioned like the two highlights. I mean, you have all American players and and in Wiltshire and Olinick coming off of their red shirt seasons there uh, in Spokane. Jim, let's talk a little bit about you know, the team vibe or identity. You mentioned uh, that there there might be some change in personnel and maybe some change in game plan due to the shortness of backcourt members to handle the ball, but Traditionally, uh, Gonzaga has bigs, and, and those bigs always travel. The past few seasons, the Zags have invested in playing big while others went to playing small ball. Can the Zags do that again this year, maybe with uh, Hachimura coming in and taking one of those big roles with Tilly, maybe the new guy Larson? Can they play with the dual bigs again this year? And what, what is the vibe of this year's Bulldog team thus far? You mentioned that uh, all the increased amenities and, and, and the coaching staff, but how about the players and the locker room? Like, what, what's the vibe so far for this year's uh, Bulldog team? Well, I think they can play big, but they're not going to play as big as they did last year. Yeah. Uh, you lose Shemek, you lose Shemek Karnowski, who was kind of a man mountain at about seven one and 300, and you just had a built-in advantage in going into every game. You know, you knew they were going to probably have to double-team him. He was a tremendous defender in the middle of the lane that stayed out of foul trouble and if he didn't block shots, he certainly influenced them. Uh, they don't have that kind of presence. But what they do have is, is they're going to be a little smaller and a lot more mobile. 
I mean, this team might be able to run run the floor a little better with their bigs being a part of that. Uh, I think they're going to be able to use Jonathan Williams and Killian Tilly almost interchangeably if they wanted as fours or fives, inside or outside, high post, low post. Um, you know, Jonathan is, is a very active, mobile kid. He's not just sit in the paint and throw it to him type of guy. And Killian's the same way. He's he's a kind of a, a lanky 6'10 kid that, that moves pretty well and is just kind of a crafty scorer. He he started their exhibition game last week with College of Idaho. He had 28 points. He didn't miss a shot. He was 11 of 11 and hit three threes in that. So, um, now there's a lot of talk about Ruri Hachimura being a breakout player, and he's certainly capable of it. He's six foot eight, athletic. Uh, kind of had a great summer with uh, Japan in, in a tournament overseas. Uh, he very well could develop into a, a breakout player, but Tilly could could do the same. I mean, he was the eighth man in the rotation last year, but uh, on any other team, he's probably playing 20-plus minutes and, and averaging close to double figures. I expect that that's where he'll be this year. Uh, it'll look different. They, they won't quite have the bodies or, or the – or the size they had a year ago, but I, I still think they're they're planning on operating inside out, and that's the way the Zags have done it. Doesn't matter if they've got Pangos and Bell. Doesn't matter if it's it's uh, McClellan and Dranginis and and Perkins. Uh, they're going to throw the ball into guys like Demontis or Wiltshire or Olenek, and this year it's going to be Jonathan and and uh, and then the kid off the bench you're going to see a lot of is Jacob Larson, Jakob, mm. I guess is, is how it's pronounced, but. Uh, he does look the part. He's 6'11", kid from Denmark. He's battled a couple of uh, knee issues for uh, the last few years. So he's just getting into the mix. Uh, a lot of talent there, but a, lot, a long way to go as well. Uh, he is a true post-type uh, player. He is 6'11", uh, and, and has the size to, to be uh, an interior guy that uh, they're going to have to get some minutes out of him this year. Yeah, the, it seems like they have to go somewhere, and I think Larson might be one of those places that they go for those minutes and those inside touches that the, the Zags really value. Again, you mentioned the upgrades on campus and for the amenities for the players and for the team, and, and the MAC seems along those lines. You mentioned it's about you know 10 or 11 years old. It seems sick for a big game. It holds just about 6,000. We love staying up late on the East Coast here to view Gonzaga play those home games. Take us into a home game. What's the vibe? What's the student section like? Is it intense? Is it is it worse? Or what kind of home court advantage uh, does the MAC hold for the Bulldogs? And, and t- give us a little thumbnail sketch. What's a home game like? Well, it's a big deal here. It's the hardest ticket to get in town. Uh, like you said, it's six thousand. They could probably sell it out at ten or twelve if they wanted to, but they kind of wanted to keep it smaller, uh, more intimate environment, and 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 kind of keep that demand on tickets. High, and that's what they've done. Uh, it's packed every night when they play. Uh, they've got a student section they call the Kennel Club that uh, I think they have about 1,500 seats uh, along the, the sideline opposite the benches. And that's a pretty creative crew there with their <laughs> pregame uh, rituals. And uh, they play Zombie Nation, and they, they've got that orchestrated pretty well. A, a ton of fans will... We'll uh, video that while while they're uh, doing their their dance to that, and then uh, uh, during the game, very uh, very in, involved, uh, lots of signs, know every opposing player's backgrounds, and and 
and and uh, use that if they need to probably. But uh, it's a loud place to play uh, when you get a big game in there, and when it's BYU or they've had, you know, Michigan State's come here, Notre Dame's come here, the games against St. Mary's and League. Uh, when that crowd is involved, it's uh, you know it's as tough a place to play as there is probably. The noise is deafening. Um, and the Zags kind of thrive in that building, uh, as you might expect. They haven't lost a lot of games there. Um, you know, they did lose on senior night last year against BYU for the first loss of the year, but uh, uh, I think their winning percentage there matches up with just about anybody in the country since the, the building opened. Uh, pretty special place. And, uh, um, you know, the the uh, amenities that uh, that we talked about, the other buildings, the locker room, you know, they've got murals of the great great Zags of the past on the walls. They've got uh, an entryway with pictures of each Zag in their professional uniform. Uh, they've, they've dressed it up very well and, and uh, 12 years old, but it's still state-of-the-art. Nice. That, it, sounds like, it sounds like the students really invest in the event, which is the game. It, it sounds like they're, they're, they're invested on multiple levels. It's a, it, it sounds like an unbelievable environment. Uh, last one, we'll get you out of here on this, Jim. Before we do a, a quick prediction, you know, we always take a look at uh, the early season schedule and the Zags have, you know, scheduled aggressively uh, as usual. We got Creighton. There's an opportunity against Ohio State, the traditional Washington game. We have the underrated uh, San Diego State team. And of course, you know, before we started recording, we talked about the uh, December 5th date in the Garden with Villanova. Handicap this early schedule for us. Do the Bulldogs have? Do you feel like they have a shot to win an MSG versus Nova? And 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 how important are these other opportunities? Well, it's it's a typical Gonzaga schedule. They know they have to front load their schedule because the WCC isn't uh, all that highly regarded nationally. So when the league comes around, their their RPI tends to drop. They just don't get the the depth of quality of games that other bigger conferences do. Although in that regard, St. Mary's being ranked ahead of them, being ranked uh, or picked to win the league should help them a little bit like it did last year when the Gales were ranked all season. Uh, But those non-conference games are huge, Gonzaga. It's where they've kind of carved out their name over the years. They played in the Garden several times. They beat North Carolina when North Carolina was number two. Uh, back in the Josh Heitfeld, uh, Adam Morrison days. Sure. Um, so that that will be a difficult game. Villanova is a very experienced team. Uh, just a, an unbelievable run they've been on since the Big East was reconfi- uh, reconfigured and uh, with the national title and their great guards. Uh, so that will be a difficult game. But the, the, the other highlight of that schedule is the PK-80, which is as good a uh, holiday tournament as there is in the country, uh, you know, forever. Because this this is a 16-team event, two brackets of eight, and the Zags could run into two top ten teams there. They they yeah. open with Ohio State, but the next round could be Florida, which would be a rematch of the title uh, one of the games from the Orlando tournament last year. The Zags beat the Gators there, and then uh, looming at the top of that bracket is is Duke, who's uh, number one in a lot of the polls and deservedly so with another uh, great recruiting class and, and Grace and Allen. So um, they, they, uh, they, they don't miss too many opportunities. They, in the, in the preseason, they schedule tough. Got a couple of tough road games with Washington, with San Diego state, two teams that they hammered last year at the McCarthy that are not going to be very happy about that and, and eager to see them. So 
for for their roster with the turnover they've had, um, they're going to be fully challenged uh, by the time conference play rolls around in late December. Yeah, that that conference, uh, the, the schedule is no joke as usual for the Bulldogs. And uh, Jim, last thing, you know, play a fortune teller for us. Take a look into that crystal ball. How do you feel Gonzaga will do in conference? And then maybe even how do you feel? What, what is their ceiling moving forward uh, potentially in March? Uh, how, how do you, what's your feel on this Gonzaga team? Well, I, I think they strangely have some motivation in not being picked to win the, the WCC. That's, that's an annual right of, of fall here that they, they're they number one in the preseason poll. This year they're number two. And it makes sense when you look at it. St. Mary's is loaded. They were a ranked team all last year. They went to the tournament and won a game and then had Arizona kind of on the ropes in the second round. So, you know, the Gales are going to be right there. And I think the Zags, uh, you know, that's job number one. Everybody always talks about the NCAAs, but uh, their first order of business is trying to kind of maintain that conference supremacy. Uh, I think the teams are going to split. That's that's my prediction. They're going to split during the regular season and very well could tie for the conference title, which they've done two or three times here in the last seven, eight years. So that's my thought is they're going to split and share the title, which, uh, um, you know, that that uh, that almost be an upset from Gonzaga's end. But, uh, yeah, strangely enough the, so, right? Yeah, it was, the poll was unanimous. That was the odd thing. It wasn't that Gonzaga was – uh, not picked to win it. It was that St. Mary, Mary's was picked by nine of the 10 coaches and you're not allowed to pick your own team. So, you know, Randy Bennett uh, picked his eggs. So that's their, their first uh, priority is trying to win that conference and then make some noise in the non-conference. If, if, if you can get a win over a ranked team or two, uh, if you can, you know, if you can kind of have a, I don't know, 10 and 2 or something like that. I think they'd be fully satisfied with that, probably ranked higher, and and their RPI would be great. Uh, that could help them if they do not win the WCC uh, to get into the NCAAs again. I think they will get back into the tournament. Um, I don't think there's a, 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 a Final Four run in, in them like it was last year. Uh, but there there is a ton of talent there, and if they can mesh it all together, uh, with the young guys and the new roles and that, uh, by March, they may not be a fun team to play. Uh, I, I totally agree with that. I think they might be a little bit of a handful by the time Coach Few and that coaching staff pulls together uh, all the elements that we mentioned in the conversation. Totally agree with you on that, Jim. Uh, we just want to say thank you so much to Jim Meehan for giving us a few minutes for the Gonzaga Bulldogs. You can find his stuff at spokesman.com, and you can find him on Twitter S-R-J-I-M-M. So, Jim, thank you so much for a couple of minutes. We're looking forward to staying up late for a couple of games. And, you know, enjoy your next trip to uh, Jack and Dance, please. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just gonna circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.